Welcome to the VRV Podcast, where we highlight different veteran-owned businesses and nonprofits. All right, it's Justin Collective with the VRV Podcast, and today I've got an amazing veteran who I'm so excited to have, finally have on the podcast. She, um, she really... <laughs> It's doing damage to my um, diet I'm trying to get on here because every time I see a post, I want to drive an hour up to the mountains and have some of their amazing cinnamon rolls. So today I got on with us. I've got Tina with Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe on out of Colorado. So Tina, welcome to the show and please tell us a bit about yourself. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, Just a little bit about me as far as being a veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, I signed uh, to go in the Marine Corps when I was 17 and they had to wait almost a year, something like a year and five months before I actually could go in. So I had a lot of delayed time mm-hmm. because they didn't have enough women to fill a boot camp. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was hard. Of course, you know, the Marine Corps back in 1977 probably wasn't the first choice of most <laughs> girls coming out of high school. <laughs> But it turned out that I was in a very small high school and they were the only military that showed up on career day. Really? And so I thought, well, I came from a big family and I really wanted to go to college. So I thought the military would be the way for me to do it. What I did not realize when I signed is that, you know, of course, the country was very angry about Vietnam still in 1977. Yeah. We were we were literally about six months out from, so, in, you know, 70, December 76, you know, and the that and everything. Yeah. That's offensive. Um, I didn't realize that on June 15th, um, uh, 1977, Congress cut the GI Bill. They stopped it, and I signed towards the end of the month. Um, so as a result, you know, I'm one of that generation of, of veterans that, unfortunately, the country hasn't corrected their mistake yet, and hopefully they will. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a lot for, vet, you know, veterans, our country. But from no- June 15th, 1977 to... August 15th of 1991, with the exception of a few minor programs, you know, Veep and a few others, there's no GI Bill for that entire generation of vets. Wow. And so I'm $130,000 in debt. Um, and I basically paid back mo- all, my, all of my original loans, but it's the interest that piles up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and hopefully we can get the word out and uh, to our congressmen and our senators and, you know, have them start working on um, veteran uh, educational forgiveness. Um, you know, we served, we had our uniform on, we held that, we held our weapon and we put our toes on the line between, you know, our loved ones and the big bad. And uh, we, I think that generation of vets deserve um, to have their educational benefits given back to them and their loans forgiven. 
This is something I had no idea about. I, I think I heard a little bit of it, but I didn't know all the details of it. This is absolutely incredible. And just yeah, most people craziness. don't know it. Yeah. yeah. And it's wow. it's one dirty little secret of the, you know, from our that our country needs to correct it. You know, yeah. there's some yeah. amazing, wonderful things that that whole generation of vets has done. And mm -hmm. they, you know, they sign that check and they deserve their education. Right. And right. so if we can, you know, help get the word out and, you know, start a big, bad campaign, then that would even be the best. Well, I think, um, yeah, I think we need to talk offline because I've got some names coming to mind for you. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's something I had no idea about and something you're, you're literally the first one I've talked to about this um, with. You know, I know two or three veterans, <laughs> and so I don't know why this isn't a um, bigger story in in my world a bit, I guess. So, but yeah, that I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. Yeah. Um, that's but crazy. On top of that, you know, well, it might a lot of veterans have just of my age or of you know the ten year span or so. What is it? Or slightly more than that, fifteen year span. Um, they just kind of now have just accepted it. Right. Uh, many, um, I know one gentleman, um, and he's he actually dropped out of college. He was on his way to be a doctor, and he just couldn't take the the debt anymore. And he now is an extremely successful car salesman, owns his own car lots oh, and everything. But he literally, he he literally uh, talked his sons out of going into the service mm -hmm. just because he was so angry about, you know, what happened. Now that's one yeah. small example, but that's, re that's like you said, we need to talk offline, but um, if we get back to when I went in and I went to boot camp, uh, they had enough women to fill a basic training. And of course at that time, we, you know, I'm sure, it might be the same now. We all went to Paris Island. Every woman, mm -hmm. went to, every woman Marine went to Paris Island. And um, I'll never forget. They said um, that you needed to bring <laughs> the one thing that you had to have in your suitcase to bring was Avon skin. So soft to keep away the sand fleas. <laughs> it was actually on the list. I'll never Specific forget Specific for Avon? Yes. From so what, a, kind of, what kind of deal did they have? I got from my recruiter. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to yell. Um, it was a list I got from my recruiter of things that I had to take to basic, you know, yeah. or couldn't take. And one of the things on there that must have Avon skin so soft and underneath it, I swear to God, was typed to keep the sand fleas at bay. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> now, what did they tell the guys that went to I've been I've been curious about this now for what 40 years? Did now <laughs> did the guys get told the same thing? Was it on their list oh, when they went to Paris Island? We're born with uh, flea resistant skin, <laughs> so we're a different kind of breed. <laughs> <laughs> <I want> <laughs>
I want to know. I want to know how much either Avon paid whoever to put that on that list, right? or what? What? What was the back thing with that? Where it needs to be Avon. I know Avon. it just. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never. It's. I. I brought it. I thought it. I thought it smelled putrid, but and they would have us put it on, you know, and I'd be like, I'm gonna vomit. I just. <laughs> And I suppose to some people it smelled good, but you know, I can just imagine like a Marine Corps commercial back in the day for women. It's just like <laughs> powered by Avon. <laughs> Avon's I got never, your back. In my life, so funny. But um, I left for boot camp Christmas. Um, it was actually the twenty third of December, and I spent Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> in a hotel in Portland, Oregon, waiting for transport. And then they shipped us out late, late, of course, everything's late, middle of the night, you know, Christmas Eve. And I got to Paris Island, you know, oh, dark 30 um, Christmas day. And uh, you got to realize I was, I was the ultimate country girl. I was raised between a, basically a hop ranch mm-hmm. and a huge hop ranch in Washington State and Alaska. Oh, and wow. my mother was a renowned cook and and a caterer in the Pacific Northwest. And she had started a business and we all worked for her. And she taught us all how to cook and chef and can and bake and uh, she used to tease that she started her own business because she had too many kids and she needed to know where they were. <laughs> <laughs> so you can kind of guess where I get my sense of humor. <laughs> I thought it was just all that Avon you've been applying. <laughs> right. And my mother was was the first one to say, skin so soft, that stuff stinks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway, but so it's the middle of the night. Of course, the standard, you know, Marine drop off basic training story. They drop you off at the middle of nowhere on a base and way off in the distance, you see one light on in a building, you know, and there was me and three or uh, let's see, three or four or so other girls, maybe five. And I said, let's just go. That's the only light on. Let's go over there. And a couple of the girls says, no, let's just stay here. They'll pick us up. And I was like, I don't think so. I'm thinking, no, 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 I don't think so. Anyway, so we started. Yeah, right. (laughs) Anyway, so, and, you know, I was raised by an extremely strong mother. So, you know, I, and so I already had this kind of like overly independent streak. (laughs) So. I said, no, no, I'm going that way. And so, you know, they uh, they kind of followed and we went there. We walked and I went through a door. And this is how naive I was. Now, the I walked in and it actually was Sergeant Schrader, I learned later. She was one of my DIs. This and the first and this woman could get a position of parade rest, would make the muscles and in her neck and shoulders pop like you just can't. <laughs> believe i mean she was fearsome you know (laughs) and i walked in and this is how naive i was i thought oh how color coordinated she looks great in that green (laughs) 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 
<laughs> anyway, of course, then it begins. But here's um, here's something that's kind of you know, like I said, we had I came from a big family, and we had a boys' room and a girls' room for bedrooms, and my dad built bunk beds and you know all sorts of stuff, and it and it really worked as far as having a, a close, amazing family. We could you know, we could have all our secrets and all our things and all our fights, everything in one room, you know, but they marched, marched us off, you know, after a while to where the barracks were and, and said, just lay down in your clothes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I was assigned a bottom rack and I laid down and I laid there for a couple of minutes and this extreme sense of loneliness came over me mm-hmm. because I realized it was the first time in my entire life I'd ever slept in a bed by myself. Wow. wow. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, yeah. I always slept in a bed with my sisters yeah. and um, my, my sister. And then I, and I mean, you got used to it, of course, but that I was, by the time I went to bootcamp, I did had turned 18, but I was like, it was the first night in my life I had slept by myself huh. and even when we'd stay with our grandparents, they, bu- they bunked us up, you know, yeah. doubled us yeah. up. Um, and so, you know, that started my Marine Corps life and it became real going, all right, darling, this is the path you've chose buck up and straighten up and, you know, take a big, deep breath, keep your mouth shut and your eyes open. (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty much what I did Um, and got through. It was um, looking back there. So you can see exactly what they did, of course. And then I got out of uh, basic, but uh, you know, a funny thing happened to me in basic, how I got into it um, and then ultimately from IT was put into the air wing and then got chosen, you know, as one of the women to go in the squadrons. But, um, you know, when you're in basic, you have to keep taking the aptitude tests. You know, they keep they they keep marching everyone down and every few weeks you take them and the class dwindles. And usually everything's done in about four weeks. You know, you don't take it anymore. But I was. I was down, I was being marched down, told to march down on the yellow line, you know, the side of the road, the yellow line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny the things you never forget. And um, to the testing center on base, and I was the only one, it was two weeks before graduation. And during that time, um, the women, we literally went through the exact same thing, boot camp, basic, the men did, but it was just all women. So they hadn't tried to um you know tweak it you know Mm -hmm. like they did uh in later years like in the late 80s and through the 90s and then they stopped that and then now they have it to where the last week the males and females now go through um you know basically i don't know if you what they call it hell they don't call it hell week or anything but you know you go you through your field training together but um Back then, they just, you know, I don't think they really knew what to do with us because it was when it was during a transition time when um, 
we weren't just going to be clerks and things like this. I mean, that's what we were going to be on paper. Right. But obviously, the powers that be had other ideas to start maybe seeing what women really could do. Yeah. And um, anyway, so they, I was marching down. I was all by myself. I was in this huge testing room all by myself for like the second time or third time. And I had to take this stupid test all over again. And... I was just thinking, this is so stupid. You know, I mean, there's only two or three versions of this test, and I've taken all of them, you know. And, <laughs> and so it's like, quit, that, quit making me take these tests, because yeah. uh, once I take a test, I kind of remember it, so mm. I can just take it again. Um, but anyway, so uh, I got done, and I went back, and a couple of days later, I was called into the DI hut, and the colonel was there along with my DIs and I'm trying to remember that Colonel's name. Uh, I could have told you before, but um, she became like the first woman general in the, in the Marine Corps. So we could look her up, but, um, Hmm. and uh, she was head of recruit depot, women's recruit depot. And she said, uh, well, private bets she says you're probably wondering why you kept having to take the test and of course you're not going to answer right you're just going to stand there at attention praying that you know they don't flog you or something (laughs) yeah you know "Ah!" Um, but uh and anyway she said well we had to make sure you weren't cheating and i thought what (laughs) that is just and once again this is to tell you how I just, I wasn't, I was 100% Marine during my time, but I had that little bit of independent spark going, because in my head, I was like, what a rude effing thing to say to me. I mean, I really wanted to just let go, but I didn't. I stood there at attention. Um, And she said, so no one could explain your scores. And I'm thinking the tests weren't that hard, right? Because... And um, anyway, that's what I was thinking. I'm not trying to be boastful, so please don't think that. No. But I'm just, I was always pretty good at book learning. So that's just one of those things. Sometimes people are. So what? Um, And anyway, so they put me in. They they gave me orders. And uh, um, I was the only Marine in the school. And they didn't have a name for it, so they called it Data tech a school at uh, NTC in, <laughs> in um, San Diego. And it basically was one of the first programming schools. Huh. Um, now they had others, but this was a huge, they had big Univac machines. What's so wonderful about remembering that is they had a room that was just filled with these, you know, tape to tape and, you know, these consoles and these big machines and, you know, and you you stood at a console and typed in all your programming and what you can do on those, those big machines, I can do on this laptop today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it I can do on this, this smartphone. So that's how amazing it is. But, um, and they did other things for us that really came in handy. I mean, they taught us how to make a basic a basic computer out of vacuum tubes and electronics and stuff that you would find, you know, you know, so that you could get signals out or information out. 
Um, so it was amazing. Um, and it was a great school and it was so much fun. And, um, uh, you know, it, I just can't say enough about how, about how much fun that school was uh, as far as um, being introduced to the, the, I guess the infancy, infancy of IT. Of course, in the late 70s, it was starting to get a little more sophisticated. You had Univac, you had Linux, you had, you know, all this others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was starting to get some real sophistication about it. But kind of to be, you know, on the ground floor of that and to see how everything developed over the next 40 years I just can't tell you how thankful I am um, because, you know, to this day, I still can tell you how things work inside, even though I walked away from that world because it was enough. Yeah. Um, but so I went from there um, and they switched me over to um, for a while to MCRD uh, recruit station for uh, next door after I graduated from that school, because they needed to find a place for me. Basically, I know now is what they were trying to do. I was there for about four months and about and once a week, they had me go back to the school and do programming. I think it was just to keep me fresh, you know, and um, and then finally I got orders and I got orders to uh, Ham 16, uh, the for the the fixed wing um yeah i'm not fixed wing but rotary you know helicopters at lta um in tustin you know where they used to have the big blimp hangers from the world war ii blimps um and that's where i got stationed out of and then it was wonderful i mean to work in that area and be the work in the group that was responsible for putting basically hooking up the air wing to the modern age, you know, um, putting them online, um, being, and, you know, the first transmittal of secure data that went over um, quote unquote secure fax data lines, you know, or, and, and, you know, and then it went, we went tape to tape, we went floppy disks. We, we were even still doing card, card punching at the time. Um, and then we progressed from there. And then I think the reason I was Sergeant Major Banta was my Sergeant Major. And he was amazing. I mean, you got to look that guy up. Sergeant Major Lloyd Banta. He um, he was beyond a Marine's Marine. But um he also was able to see the future, you know, even though he was a Marine's Marine. And I think one of the reasons I was chosen to go into, you know, the, the deployment program Mm -hmm. was because of him. And not only was he the Sergeant Major of the unit, um, or, or, and and then he put me in with a, uh, with that, but, it allowed me to help put the folks on the online for exactly. lack of a better term. Right. Um, it was like me and two others uh, to allow to be 
he'll put the the squadrons online like in Okinawa and and uh, be able to help them transmit data from like you know other places they went from Okinawa things like that and it was fascinating and then I got TAD'd uh, while I was there uh, to work with General Ford he was uh, the general of third third Mondev over there and um, I ended up uh, <laughs> writing a program. I wrote it out first, literally on square paper, you know, with yeah. the little squares on it. Yeah. And it was for being able to, and then I had to, I, I punched it in, of course, all by hand, Had to, and I tested all by hand before it was deployed. But it was the first program to be able to track mission milestones for um, infield and at sea um, marine deployments. Really? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, someone else took it over that had much more, you know, but they needed a base program. Yeah. And, um, so, so being able to do little things like that, and well, not little things, but you know what I mean. And mm -hmm. then, um, and then I came back and uh, I worked IT um, on the base for a long time, and we put the whole air wing. And I worked with my cohorts over at Fixed Wing at El Toro, and then I worked with my cohorts on the East Coast, you know. And we ended up putting that's you know was the first online right of yeah. working with all these amazing smart um just in just so intelligent you know they can make all the jokes they want about marines you know yeah some of them are right we know it um but i gotta tell you some of the most intelligent human beings i've ever worked with were in the marines yeah. um and then I also was very fortunate that I got to work, you know, because of my field, I got to work across uh, with almost every um, military we have, you know, and I got to work with, you know, um, and, and then you got to, you know, oh, yeah. But anyway, so <laughs> I'm, I get off on that. I get off on the stories. It's good. But, it's good. Um, well uh, so, and I was just so fortunate. And that's what I kept thinking. I was so fortunate. And then after that, um, I, of course, I had met um, my 2B husband. Um, and he uh, was uh, picked up for a Mustang program, Boost. Okay. Brought an opportunity for officer selection training. And then MESEP. And um, then he got picked up at the University of Utah. And they and they had an independent. They had three uh, reserve units mm -hmm. in Utah, and so I said, "Well, I was looking to get a new station," and and they said, "Well, you can have I and I duty, you know, because of your past duties. You know, you've certainly earned that." And I and I said, "Well, great." And they said, "Unfortunately, the billet there doesn't come up for a year." Mm -hmm. And I was, and he, and, you know, he had gotten picked up to go to University of Utah and stay active duty. And so what I did is I re-enlisted um, and then 
I spent another, I guess, four or five months active duty till it was time to go. And then I went reserve and I went active reserve in Utah for a year at the Mm -hmm. unit until the billet came up. And then I put in for the billet and I got active duty again. So I was able to get my INI duty. I just had to go reserve. Now, if I wanted to go recruiter or something like that, I could have, of course, gone independent duty immediately. But um, I don't know. I got a bit of a mouth on me. I don't know if recruiter would have been a good idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, so I did that, and it was amazing. We had three units. We had a gra- uh, ground support motor pool. We had a ground ground unit and we, um, tactical unit, and we had a scout sniper unit. Mm. So, although I didn't, um, I didn't personally like go out and train the scout snipers. You know, I did logistics for them and stuff like that. But I, I think I was one of the first women in the Marine Corps to be on the training command, be on the INI staff for a scout sniper unit. So that was kind of cool. Even though, I mean, I didn't go out and say, you know, train them, uh, but um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and the guys were amazing. We had a couple, just a couple of women. Um, I talked one in to go in regular active duty. Um, when after she grad, she was going to college, mm-hmm. and um, this girl was sharp, just sharp. And I talked her in to go into OCS. Yeah. Um, after she graduated, and um, you know, and I've, last I heard, she had stayed in quite a long time. I don't know whether she'd retired, but um, there's a couple other girls in there that oh, they kind of needed to do their time. Go <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't put that part in there. <laughs> no, you're good. No, it's um, no, but, well, I mean, you kind of still see it to this day with these people, and they kind of like, oh, I deserve this or that, da da da. I'm like, I can use a little, no. little bit of training, little remedial training, a little bit, get, get, uh, <laughs> get squared out. Yeah, and so as far as you know, and I, I should have been um, medically discharged because I, I did break my back while I was in. Oh, and I was how'd you do that? <clears throat> I was training, and I fell down a mountain. Way to go. And, you should have tied your boots. Yeah, right on. Damn it. I shouldn't have tied them together. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh. I hate that when that happens. Um, and then I also, my lungs basically got the equivalent, equivalent of kind of like freezer damage from really? training in extreme cold weather. Whoa. But I am doing the whole... I'm getting work. I'm just going to start working with the VFW and they're going to do the, the, the stuff. Cause I was a total yeah. of 16 years yeah. on contract. Okay. Yeah. And if I could have gotten that grouchy old top <laughs> 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 to let go of his, you know, I don't yeah. want WMs in my unit <laughs> um, to let go of that. And I could have gone on one more contract. 
yeah. I could have actually retired. But that's uh, life. Yeah. You know? But that's life. And, you know, like you were saying, you know, some you go, yeah, you need more training. And you got to look at it. There's been a lot of breaks in people's lives, good and mm-hmm. bad. Yes. But um, I had a lot of breaks that other that were amazing for women to have during that time. Yeah. You know, and so um, should things have happened differently? Yeah. Could they be changed now? Yeah, I'll work on that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, you know, I'm yeah. owed, I'm owed. You know, yeah. because yeah. nobody promised me life was going to be easy or promised me a free lunch. So, um, and that's what I, that's kind of how I, well, that's exactly how I raised my kids. Mm-hmm. And it's it's why they always saw me running a second business yeah. On the side of IT or doing contracts, you know, I became an independent consultant at the end. But the whole time that I raised them, I kept, um, I would do private chefing and keep, I kept a cash, oh, I won't say cash. I kept a bakery business. <laughs> um, on the side. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And for, I mean, for the whole time they were growing up and I did it out of my kitchen and along with working. And then I often took another job like a target or, you know, places like that. But the thing is like, I, I, I did what I had to do to provide for my family. Right. And to say that I left no stone unturned and I'm not a whiner. I mean, you know, it's like, Straighten up and yeah. put on your big girl or big boy pants yeah. and go forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, no, and try and fix the bad stuff. Right. Um, so, and, uh, but I always, honestly, I would bait, I would chef for people on, you know, doing private parties, most of them being my friends. Mm-hmm. Or I do, you know, on the, from, oh, pretty much Halloween through Valentine's Day. Yeah, there were days, there were times that, um, and I often flew out on like Monday or Sunday night and came back Thursday on my regular job, right? Yeah, and then I'd be up the whole weekend baking, wow, doing orders. Yeah, um, but or if I wasn't traveling, then you know I was doing orders all week long uh, during that time, and I I still have people that send to my old email, the one that we hooked up on here. Um, You know, are you still doing your candy? Are you still doing your chocolate? I mean, can I order pies? And I have to tell them, Hey, you know, I got a bakery now finally, or, you know, I always wanted to have something. It was what I was raised in. And my, my mother was passionate about it and passionate about food and, I believe the kitchen is the absolute heart of a house. 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah, everybody was in the kitchen, no matter what kind of party I hosted, everyone was in the kitchen. They were just like, cook it, Dina. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everybody come in. Let's help, you know. So I believe in, you know, you want to have your formal dining room. That's cool. Yeah, but I believe in big islands and kitchen yeah. tables and 
coffee nooks and yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's where the soul is. Right. Of your right. family. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's a family, it's you and your partner, or it's, you know, you and 10 kids and your wife, you know, it's where the soul is. It's there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the kind of place I always wanted to open. You know, I thought about, I tried to get a, um, a diner here on 285. It was DW's 285 diner. Now it's Conifer Cafe. And I came down to the day of closing that deal. And uh, this is when, you know, sometimes you get divine inter intervention and he slaps you to the side of the head. Like, wake up. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of a sudden the guy wanted a cash deal. And I was like, uh, I'm backing out of this thing. Yeah. And then he ended up having a cash deal the next day with some Chinese people. So. Um, oh, do you mean human trafficking people? <laughs> and um, so I backed out of that. And then there was a couple other places I went for. But and I was trying to get that uh, that place where, you know, the com the community could gather and, you know, tell jokes and argue politics and and talk about their brothers or their sisters or their wives and husbands or just eat and laugh, you know, sure. and um I just wasn't successful until Lydia um, said there's this um, shopping type center. And she said the forest service just went into it. And she says, and all that's there is kind of a strange <laughs> uh, gym and a liquor store. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, this might be good. We could bring new neighborhood. And then there was a really cool antique store way at the end. Yeah. And, um, so Lydia found the spot where we are now. Really? Yeah. And it was nothing. It was bare. And um, so I drew it up and I designed it and we, and I contracted with these, with the builders of the place and uh, sent it to their architects and um, I, I, they just said, oh, this is pretty good design. And I, I actually put two kitchens in there because mm -hmm. I wanted a gluten-free kitchen. I thought that'd be cool because, you know, my daughter is actually, <laughs> get this, my daughter's <laughs> allergic to wheat, man. Really? Yeah, she developed that allergy her, her freshman year in college. Oh, she, yeah. yeah, she got sick and yeah. uh, kind of obliterated her. Yeah, she got mono and meningitis at the same time, first year of college. Wow. And uh, so when her immune system came back, she had a <laughs> Is that her walking by there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I shouldn't laugh. It was horrible. And when we finally found out what was going on, and then I had to learn how to cook gluten-free. I mean, I never really had heard of it, right? Mm -hmm. Too much. And then... Um, so once I got my place and we started building, I thought it'd be cool to be able to do that for people. And then, but we had no idea how, what, and I'm just going to say assholes. People are going to be <laughs> just complete assholes. You know, yeah. and they we're just like, are you, and we would say we're not celiac certified. There is a possibility of cross-contamination, right. but we do our best. We have doors between the kitchens and da, 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 da. 
Oh, oh, and who's checked out your kitchens? Do you go by the Ohio standards or these standards? And I'm like, and then one lady comes in and she says, I only use flour milled from the shells of dried organic avocados from Brazil. And I oh. said, that sounds like a home project. <laughs> <laughs> How much is that? Like, you're not going to get that flower? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to do that. And it just became such a hassle. And that um, we closed that gluten kitchen and we use it for a prep, ki prep mm. kitchen now. Um, now, Lydia still makes stuff for herself and yeah. we still put out gluten free muffins and stuff once in a while. Yeah. But uh, it's like, no, no, there's a bakery down the hill in Morrison by Home Depot. Mm -hmm. They're gluten-free, dairy-free, everything-free, you know, bakery. Yeah. And I've never tasted anything so fucking awful in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're going to have to edit that out for sure. Um, <laughs> no, it stays... <laughs> you didn't mention the name, so it stays. <laughs> I totally said exactly where they were. That's all. <laughs> um, but even the gluten-free community say they only go there as a last resort. So it's like, yeah, Lydia no. won't even. Lydia went down there and bought a few things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she says she threw them in the trash outside the bakery. Oh no. Well, what? That's awful. <laughs> so what what year was it when you opened up your place? We opened up Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe mm -hmm. <laughs> October 17th, 2019. Oh. Just in time for the new year to bring on a pandemic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and Man. so I um, it's it's brutal. There's so many other businesses that have just started before. And actually, I was just talking to a guy right now. He's like, hey, um, or he was talking about, he's like, I see all these awesome businesses you're pushing out. I want to get, I'm going to open my business. I'm like, well, why don't you, don't you wait a little bit? Opening a business during a pandemic isn't the smartest move right now because it is brutal out there. But it's brutal. Yeah. Before we, because I want to get into that and ask you about that. But before we do that, can you tell us about the name? Because I Ernie's love that one. Yes. Mountain Bakery and Cafe? Yes. Ernie was my mother. There we go. <laughs> and her name was Ernestine. Yes. And she was named after her father, Ernest. And oh. they were both called Ernie. Yeah. And I'm actually the end of her name. I'm named after her. So it was Ernest, Ernestine, yes. and then and I'm Tina. So I'm the end of my mother's name. And the funny thing about that is my dad should have known not to go and get coffee. Because <laughs> my sister before me, and she was supposed to be born around Christmas. She actually was born right on Christmas. Yeah. And dad said they had they had decided her name was Mary Christina. That was going to be her name, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, dad said he was going to go get coffee, and mom says, I'll fill out the birth certificate. And he came back, and her name was Patricia Ann. After and he was like, "What happened to Mary Christina?" <laughs> she says, "I named her after your two sisters who are out in the waiting room." And are you going to tell them that you didn't want her <laughs> named after them? 
<laughs> He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, so my mom said all along she had planned to do that, but mm-hmm. he was just so upset on it that she just couldn't talk to him about it. So yeah. she said for a cup of coffee. So is your daughter's name Stein? Or what's your daughter's name? How is this going? Stein? <laughs> Stein. <Lincoln> Stein. Yes. <laughs> from yeah, from the Gelderland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get the nice something. Okay. Um, no, her name is Lydia uh Lydia McCullough. And or Zena. Um, because when she was a little girl. And she still is. Lydia was extraordinarily strong. Like she could move the couch, literally, for me to vacuum behind it when she was eight months old in her walker. And I have I have witnesses. She dig her feet into the rug and <laughs> and then she grew up and became a semi pro rugby player. So really? yeah. So here's my beautiful shy. And I'm not going to say little girl because she was always a lot taller and a lot stronger than everyone else in her class. So she's 10 years old and she's, oh, she's a good head taller than even the tallest boy in her class, right? And her science teacher said, oh, it was middle school. So seventh grade. Okay. So Mr. Griffin, he said, tell your mama to bring you to such and such a park. It's a, the DCC, DTC park there off Tamarack. And uh, I coach in a, like a, a league, you know, you know, boys and girls and all like that. And he says, I think you'll like it. Yeah. Okay. So I bring her down there. It's rugby. Yeah. Rugby. Yeah. Yeah, you know the no helmets, yeah. no anything. Let's crash into each other like gladiators rugby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she played her first game. Oh my god. She was hooked. Really? Just, oh my god, hooked. Oh, that is awesome. In fact, um she had never played before and so she was so tall and you know, she's only 7th grade, but these these girls came over and um this coach came over and said, hey, can you play on our team and fill a spot for us? And she was like, uh-uh. And so they said, come on. And they pulled her yeah. and pulled her onto the field. And um, <laughs> so in, and the girl says, anyone who's running at you, stop them. Yeah. And she says, okay. She was really, really shy as a little girl. And um, so they, this girl was running at her just and had the ball, you know, had the the rugby ball. And Lydia just went like this and stuck out her arms. Yeah. And that girl clotheslined right over her arm and flipped onto the ground. And then Lydia went like, oh, my God. Right. And the yeah. girl popped up, This, you know, because they're tough. Right. Yeah. Popped up and punched her in the arm, went, good hit. And then the, <laughs> the referee was laughing so hard yeah. that he went over to her and he put his arm around her shoulder and said uh darling is this your first game <laughs> and she 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 went yeah he says you can't put your arms out like that honey says, you gotta grab them can you grab them like below the neck and she yeah. says okay and then so she did that she played the game and i can't tell you how excited she was i mean she was just a glow 
And all I could think of was, oh, my God, it's rugby. <laughs> you know, oh, my God, it's rugby. And Coming played, from you who joined the Marines. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, she played. She made All-State. She was everything, you know, she, all through the years. Awesome. And then she got on the semi-pro team here in Colorado. Played there for, I think, four years. And her last game, she got hurt pretty bad. Kind oh. of you know, basically broke her back. Um, and uh, she just had back surgery three weeks ago. But, oh. uh, and uh, she was called, and we used to call her Lydia Warrior Princess. You yeah. Know? Yeah. In fact, she has a company called LWP Fashions, and she's making a line of fashion for tall women, casual fashion. She's so, six foot one, almost six foot two. My 15 year old probably has, is maybe has a half inch on her. So my my I've got a 17 and 15 year old. Um, my 17 year old is five foot four and a half. I got to put the half in there. Half in. Thank gotta you. Got to put the half in there. And then yeah. my she literally just turned 15 on the 25th. Um, she's probably a solid six foot two right now. And she's always been, as you know, like she's always been like 99th percentile ever since growing up. And all the yep. doctors are like, oh, she's gonna grow into it. She's gonna grow into it. Well, here we are, 15 years later, waiting for her to. To, Grow into <laughs> to stop, it. yeah. Um, but it was nice because every time we're going to school functions or she's in a play or a choir or whatever, it doesn't matter where we're sitting because we're gonna see her because she's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and my son is six four. Yeah, and I'm five three. Wow. So um, it's the same thing with them. Whenever we'd go to a mall or anything, we had yeah. we had a we had a, a system. I would go to a fountain or two steps or to something. And I would step on the fountain or the step. Yeah. And I would, you know, all I had to do was look down. Yeah. yeah. See who was tallest. Yeah. she's. But I love the thing with the clothes because one of the things is, is, you know, she's in, she's a freshman now at this high school and all the little cute clothes are for all these little cute little skinny girls running around, boop bopping around. And it's hard for her to find so much stuff. Even she was, ah, she was at a, school thing and they're like oh it was a, a camping trip for like a week up in the mountains so like yeah they need to have um hiking shoes da 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 they need to be you know good ones not some cheap walmart things so we're looking around the only boots that we could find were morels size 13 with her and they're like 180 bucks and i'm like oh my god and this is when she was like 14 years old i'm like are you right. serious right now so it's but it's hard yeah. um you know and i feel i feel so bad for her. she she owns it right now like she's killing it Tell her never to slump. Stuff. oh no i know all the time i'm like babe you need to stand up straight own it you know yeah <laughs> she's always exactly all the That's time what I did with these two. yeah, yeah. yeah. She, but yeah um lydia's facebook page and she's gonna be put um she's got uh she's got a uh a designer now that is um or she's a designer but the person putting together the clothes the samples to get manufactured that's happening right now, but her Facebook page is LWP fashions, right? I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. And so get your daughter on that and have your daughter blog and talk about her, um, yeah. talk right about her experiences and stuff. Yeah. That's okay. it. Good. Going to like it right now. Yeah, and so it won't be too long before. And then what Lydia's going to do for the bakery is 
she's going to put some of her tall women's um, uh, T-shirts and and then she's going to do like tall women gloves. You never can find gloves for your girl, right, to fit her. And, yeah. you know, cool knee socks and all that kind of stuff. We're going to have a little area for her. But through her company, she's also going to have another little area of her company that does all the Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe. Oh, now, wow. T-shirts, hats, uh, scarves, coffee cups. So she's going to be my merchandising company. So we've decided, you know, we're combining forces on that. Yeah. Um, because there's absolutely no reason not to. And then she's going to have a little area in there. And then we're going to start. Most of her stuff is going to be online and drop shift. That includes mm -hmm. the jeans. So <laughs> she is so aware of how difficult it is for young ladies, tall young ladies who are athletic, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. To get jeans that fit them. Shirts that have long enough sleeves that are long enough in the bodice. Yeah. You know, all that. So uh, keep an eye out there because she's going to, that's going to happen within the next six. Tell her thank you. Tell her thank you. You got our support. So yeah. that is awesome. Right on. Yeah. Right on. But anyway, so she's going to also do all the Ernie's uh, yeah. Mountain Bakery and Cafe yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and through her company and start the merchandising part of her company. Okay. Um, so, you know, you might want to think about that for your VRV, too. Um, <laughs> I love your hat, by the way. I really hey, like well, it. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, you know, that kind of brings us to where we, you know, where we kind of are today. Mm -hmm. And we opened up. And, um, you know, our, the community was amazing. The 285 corridor community, and then at the bottom of the hill, Littleton, Lakewood. Yeah. Amazing yeah. Uh, reception to mm -hmm. the bakery. Um, and still today, today, yeah. even with the pandemic, they're doing what they can. Yeah. But um, if we could have, you know, stayed on the projections we were doing um, when we opened through the end of the year, this pandemic year, though, we've, we're below 50% of what we would have done. Yeah. Um, so it's a matter of, which is huge first mm. year um, yeah. to have yeah. to do 50%, more than 50% less of business projections. Right. Um, so, you know, once again, talking about that friend who wanted to open a business, he needs to remember that he's going to have to have capital reserves. Mm -hmm. um, and I did, uh, plan for capital reserves and then there was all sorts of and he, he's got to remember about if he has anything built or anything like that the <laughs> delays that are going to happen with the county mm -hmm. i mean they were unbelievable yeah and the the things they make you go back on and back and forth on i i was six months late in opening uh, later than when i was going to so that and you talk about taking up reserves holy uh, toledo yeah yeah um so, you know, and um, the pandemic has hit us very hard. The community has been extremely supportive. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, when things were really hard on folks to get and find, like flour and yeast and yeah. sugar and butter. And so what I did, and I had, 
I was, when we were having it built, I kind of was going stir crazy a little bit with stress. <laughs> and so I took a job, a stress, why would I take this job? I took a job at Safeway as a pharmacy tech. Okay. For, you know, from the pan into frying pan into the fire there. <laughs> what I didn't know is that the Safeway pharmacy on um, in uh, Conifer is the busiest pharmacy between Littleton yeah. at the bottom of the hill and Breckenridge. Because there's, there's, really? in fact, after there's Conifer, there's mm-hmm. not another pharmacy until you get to Breckenridge. Really? Wow. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, a storm would happen wow. and people would be lined up to get prescriptions <laughs> through the aisles all the way back to the front of the store. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. Milk and meds. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> but I got to know the Safeway people really well, and they're amazing, and they work hard. And the, I got to know the, the King Super people, and one of Lydia's dearest friends has worked at King Super for years and years up here. Um, and so as a result, when I opened the bakery, literally the the district manager there for Safeway up here called me up and said, Tina, are you getting flour and sugar and yeast and I says, yeah, I can right now. I, he says, can you, I'm going to send families to you. He said, can you stock up and help them? Mm-hmm. And so what I did is, and he says, you know, you can make your profit. And I was like, I just couldn't do it, you know? So what I did is people would call and it'd be like two, three families going together and they'd buy a hundred pounds. Of, they'd say, can we get a hundred pounds of flour and five or, you know, pounds of yeast or, and can we get this much sugar? And then, so I'd order it from my um, supplier and I'd sell it to them at cost plus, I think it was five bucks or something to cover the, the, the shipping. Mm -hmm. Um, So no, I didn't make a profit. No, I don't think it was right if I would have, but yeah, we did that for the first three months of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, and people would just come and they just, and when they would come in, yes, then they would buy, you know, a couple loaves of bread, even though they were going to go home and make some, or they'd buy pie or they'd buy donuts or, you know, order a birthday, you know, they do something wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, a couple of, you know, I kept a couple, some families going up here and it's, it's all a matter of understanding that. You know, I'm a hundred percent in the the camp that I believe people have to earn their way. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, but I'm also in that camp. There's going to be people that need help, and a hand up, and that's what a community is about. It's yep. not a handout. It's a yep. hand up. There it is, and that's a complete difference. There is no free lunch. There, nobody told you that it was, my mother used to say, if, if I ever told you one time life was going to be easy, one time, yeah, and you'd say, no, ma'am, she says, then shut up, quit your whining, yeah. and let's get to work, and yeah. there'd be times we'd, you know, we ran two and three restaurants sometimes at a time, and then we had our, our catering business, and there's this um, restaurants, and it has cabins and everything up on 
um, White Pass up there in Washington. And um, it's called Whistling Jack Lodge. Or it might be mm-hmm. on Pass. Um, and we ran it for years. Beautiful restaurant, a wonderful wedding venue. It had cabins right on the river. Um, and we did everything from cleaning the cabins to, you know, chefing the kitchen to doing the catering. Um, and there'd be times you'd be on your 18th hour, you know, and um, my mama would come and set a cup of coffee in front of me. And she'd say, give me a kiss on the forehead. And she'd say, honey, go put on your lipstick. You'll feel better. And, you know, to this day, I put on my lipstick when I'm tired. And I feel better. You know, she just and she put a hot cup of coffee down in front of me and she kissed me on my forehead. She says, honey, go put your lipstick on. You'll feel better. And I and I did. And to this day, I do it. And every time I put my lipstick on, I think of my mama. And so, um, you know, and I just, she's the one who gave me the philosophy, not, and that's why I think I made it through boot camp the way I did and why I made it in the Marines the way I did and why I had the stuff, the, the business on the side, raising my kids and did what I had to do is yeah. because I already had the foundation for the constitution to do what had to be done. Mm-hmm. And so when I finally got my place, that's why I named it Ernie's, you know, and when I was going to, um, in fact, whatever business I had, it didn't matter. It was going to be named Ernie's and she was even grandma Ernie, you know? So it did matter, uh, where I opened up my place. Um, it was always going to be an homage to Ernie. Mm -hmm. Um, and because, uh, you know, the Marine Corps uh, may have cemented the idea of, you know, honor and dignity and, and service, mm-hmm. but those foundations were laid, you know, before I went in. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and, and just to carry on what she did, I mean, she, she was such a good cook. You dropped your knees and thank God she was ever mm-hmm. born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's why at Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe, literally everything is made from scratch. Wow. Um, all the stocks, all the gravies, all the pastry doughs, um, yeah, what every do you, pot pie, everything. What do you got? Because you got a pretty wide range of stuff. What what's normally on the menu, or does it change up day to day, or or what's going on there? What can people expect when coming in the door? Well, on the weekends, you can expect my famous cinnamon rolls, which are seven inches across, and they have they're amazing, and they have a bourbon vanilla cream really? cheese that comes with them, and I cure my own bourbon vanilla so i even make my own vanilla wow yeah i mean come on <laughs> really thank goodness you're not stationed near an active duty uh military base because there'd be a lot of failed pt tests i think <laughs> <laughs> or a lot of guys running over and running back oh yeah you can think of it that way too yeah <laughs> yeah no that would be a boondoggle that would be a boondoggle yeah um, so on the weekends, of course, uh, and I, uh, you can have 
my cinnamon rolls. When the pandemic first happened and everyone was just so crazed, um, it's funny. I started making my cinnamon rolls every single day. Yeah. And people would come in and they'd just go, oh, thank God you have cinnamon rolls. You know, that it would just be a little something, a comfort, you yeah. know. So I made them every day for about, <clears throat> I don't know, seven months mm-hmm. or so, seven, eight months. And then, of course, the holidays happened and I had to go back to making them on the weekends. Um, I probably will stretch it out one day and make mm-hmm. them on Thursday starting in like March from, so it'd be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, Cause I've had too many uh, requests. Oh, really? <laughs> and um, so when I try to make donuts, um, one or two kinds of donuts, okay. I fry nothing. Everything is baked. So wow. they're artisan donuts. Yeah. Um, everything from what we call a celebration donut, which is, it's a cool uh, Japanese style vanilla cake batter yeah. with a little um, uh, multicolored uh, sugar beads in it that melt yeah. and make it look like almost confetti. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but and they're fluffy and they're wonderful. And we cut them in half and we color the bourbon vanilla cream and we put that in middle and make little sandwiches. We do so it's from that all the way to our best seller, which is called a lemon dream. And that comes with a lemon icing whipped cream on the side. Wow. Uh, we have a triple chocolate donut, which is, I don't know, for a chocolate lover, that might send them over the edge. I've had, <laughs> really? I've had people come in and buy one and stand yeah. there and eat it and just, oh, oh, <laughs> and then buy another one to take with them because they were supposed to take it home. Uh, <laughs> that would totally be mean. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I make my own chocolate. Um, wow. So come think, and we're going to have a uh, an event up here from Conifer up, and yep. I, it, might, it might be from Indian Hills up, but it's called a chocolate walk, and it's really a chocolate drive, and it's going to happen the three days before Valentine's. So it's the eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. Oh, okay, and okay. so you go to the Conifer. Go conifer.org, you know, the 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 City Chamber City of Commerce page. Okay. It's gonna tell you about and basically you have to have something chocolate to give away. And I make the most amazing homemade hot chocolate. Oh so I gotta bring the kids up. Yeah. Made hot chocolate, and then you gotta have at least three chocolate things for people to buy. So I'll have um, my traditional French chocolate truffles, which are solid chocolate um, and made made completely from scratch from a cocoa powder. Yeah. And then I'll have, oh, I'll, pro- I'll have brownies and I'll have one. Well, my best selling cookie is in my bourbon vanilla batter and it's a dark chocolate cookie with dried cherries. It's unbelievable. Uh, and we'll probably have maybe a little chocolate cheesecake in there and uh, we'll just have a lot of fun things I might even have uh, some uh, chocolate sweet bread um, which would be kind of fun for people to make uh, French toast out of on Valentine's morning Uh, and then of course I do wonderful homemade breads Um, I have this one recipe that I call old world country 
Mm-hmm. And it's literally the oldest bread recipe in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And it's, they actually found the, the original and, you know, bread only has not too many ingredients and then you play with it, but the basic bread recipe, they found one in ancient Egypt and it's really? literally the one I use and I call it old world country, old world country white. And, um, I do use a whole grain, um, high altitude organic flour, uh, that's actually made here. That's for Denver. Um, so, and it's surprisingly, um, uh, it, it's just surprisingly, um, affordable, uh, because we are in Denver. Um, but, um, and then I make, uh, I have my own sourdough starter. I'll be, um, sourdough. I usually try to make Wednesday or Thursday this week. It'll be Wednesday. I have my own rye starter so I can make my own and I do a deli rye that'll drop you to your knees. Um, last week's bread of the week was black Russian rye. Um, and it was an old world, uh, bread, uh, beautiful, dark, dark, dark chocolate brown, you know, know, with uh, all these lovely, you know, it's right on the edge of sweet and savory, you know, uh, and so I can make almost every bread, um, I don't really care to make mixed breads, although I'll do them. I don't know why I don't care to make the dark and light together. Um, and a lot of people love that. And so I'll do it once in a great while. Um, also over Valentine's, I don't do them that often because they're so intense, but I'm making um, uh, French uh, croissant, the big ones. Real French croissants are big. Yeah. yeah, And they're like, um, and so I'll have regular, I'll have them regular. I'll put some lovely preserves in them. I'll do chocolate ones, you know. Yeah, but uh, croissant dough takes about two and a half days. Um, Yeah, but you can do, uh, but I do puff pastry all the time. Now that's, it's kind of an easy cousin yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Croissant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have people asking when next time I'm going to do croissant and uh, I'll do croissants on uh, on uh, Valentine's. So I'll do it that weekend. Okay. So you'll be able to maybe have one during the chocolate walk. Sweet. Uh, well, I I definitely want. I I was telling her before we started. I don't know where my heck my little note taker thing is at, but. Remind me in case you don't forget. Shoot me a message so I don't forget on those dates because I want to push that out too to get up there. But it's it's funny because my every time we go up to Breckenridge, there's a little French bakery there that's right off Main Street. Oh, um, it's amazing. Down, yeah, you know what I'm talking about down by the Cajun. Uh, what is it? The Cajun or the is it the Cajun Lobster or something? I forgot. Yeah. But anyways, it's right down there by the the river. Yeah, we it's we love it so. Um, yeah, we need. I need to get up there to get into your place. Yeah, yeah. And, and they and they and they do a they do a croissant that's pretty dang good. I mean, um, uh, they do them smaller, but mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it's called Ernie's Mountain <laughs> Bakery. Is so it? I gotta do them bigger. <laughs> no, oh, no, mine. So I was like, what? <laughs> no, theirs. I don't. I don't know what theirs is called. Uh, but it, they do some lovely things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I do all everything from 
you know, I do every kind of bread you can think of. I do a wonderful Italian herb and roasted garlic bread. Mm-hmm. And I roast all the garlic and everything off and with olive oil and truffle salt. And, oh, good stuff, man. Um, amazing. Yeah. And I do, and once in a great while, and I might do it for Valentine's because the bread turns red. But I do a tomato bread and I do it with sun-dried tomatoes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And the bread dough turns red. Right. Really? Yeah. yeah from sun dried tomatoes. Yeah. And um, I, I've been, I've been, you know, kind of fiddling whether I'm going to do that for Valentine's or not. Um, people go like red bread and I'm like, it's tomato bread. Yeah. Sure. So and I'll do tomato and I'll flavor it with tomato and dill and, you know. No kidding. That's yeah. It's fantastic. fantastic. Oh my God. Fantastic. Man. Wow. Yeah. On. Yeah. So when I do a lovely French bread and I got to tell you, you know, there's, there's not too many, not too many downsides to what I do. I mean, it's hard right now financially, mm-hmm. but it's hard right now financially for everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not in this alone. Yeah. And the state's doing what they can. The counties are doing what they can. The Chamber of Commerce is doing what they can for for um, small business. Yeah. And we are all trying to work together and to get through this and keep doors open. And mm-hmm. that's my whole goal. I mean, and I'm starting to do a little bit of wholesale with different um, places up here. So, and that's another goal is I think not just to expand my wholesale, but I believe to expand the relationship within the community of restaurants and and places up here. Right. Because we're a unique community up here. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I truly believe that we can become a tighter knit community by helping each other out. Yes. And um, so that's one of the, you know, not just because I want to have the wholesale side of the business. I do. I'm not going to lie about that. But this community up here is just so unique. Yeah. And, and um, I have grown up near the mountains most of my life. Yeah. I've uh, been in the country or on a ranch or a farm or the mountains most of my life. And there is a unique culture to the mountain life, mm-hmm. to the Western mountain life, to the Western country life. And that's part of what I want to try and help sustain up here and sustain that culture and sustain our way of life. And knowing that the one most important resource up here to us besides the people is the water. And so, and that's, you know, work with the community and I'm, I'm trying to get involved, more involved in that to where when newcomers come here, they need to understand that we have a culture here, right? If you, mm-hmm. I don't care, you know, if you're coming from California or you're coming from Texas or you're coming from <laughs> New, New York. Jersey, yeah. New York, Florida, you understand we have our own culture here. Mm-hmm. And just like if we went to New York, we'd assimilate into the New York culture. Mm-hmm. I used to go there and work all the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. they have their own culture. The city has its own rhythm, Yeah, has its own life. And like, that's us too. We yeah. have our own rhythm. We have our own life. We have our own way of doing things. And mm-hmm. the most important thing up here 
is our water. Yeah. Our water is artisanal. Mm-hmm. We don't have water tables up here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So whether you're a business and in my case where I'm at, because it was artisanal water, when they built it, they put a forty gallon forty thousand gallon reserve tank underneath, you know, mm-hmm. so they so that it never drains the the surrounding artisanal wells. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you and you need to and remember that not to make a new footprint on the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, if yeah. you're coming up here and you're gonna don't build something new. There's so mm-hmm. many places up here like old cabins and everything. Not saying you want to live in an old cabin, but if yeah. it already has a septic or a leach filled or a well, then buy it, tear it down, mm-hmm. and build a structure that can be supported by that well and that, yeah. that septic, right? Yeah. Don't make a new footprint. Leave the mountain to its own. You know, See, that's, that's an important part of our life up here. And, you know, the new building that's going on, we're not really in favor of it. I mean, we want a building moratorium, but we don't want people to stop coming either. No, and you know it's, it's there has to be a balance. You you see it? I see it because I'm down here in Colorado Springs, right? And this this is where I was pretty much raised. Um, and this this town has just exploded, and therefore it's going into the mountains. We're Woodland Park. Now yeah. Woodland Park is expanding and it's going up into Divide and for and it's just it's pushing, and I see the same um, when we're in Frisco, and um, they're building that new. I, I don't know if it's a hotel or, or a, I think it's a hotel, but it's like a, kind of like a higher end kind of hotel that's just down there on Main Street. I'm like, one, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool because they've got this revenue t- coming in. Two, I was like, this isn't cool because I like seeing that old town feel with that the old culture, like Breckenridge, all that, Vail, blah, 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 whatever. They got their things going on, which I love, Breck, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, so um, it, it's it's kind of scary for me seeing that in, in um, going up there in, in Frisco. I, I love Frisco. You know, so do I. Yeah, so how do you do Dylan Frisco? I love all of it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you've seen that newer place going in over there. Um I know last year they sent us the blueprints because I think it's the owner of the little chocolate shop that's over there, if I remember correctly. I don't know, but either way, it's uh yeah, expansion's coming and yeah, I never want to lose that small town there. Yeah. yeah, and I'm worried about the water up there. Yeah. And then I'm also worried about, you know, he, I've heard about it. I haven't seen it, but they could fault from it. You know, mm-hmm. they could make it look older if yeah. they wanted to. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, uh, I want to, I love being up here. I was down, I was, uh, you know, down by Franktown for 20 years, 20 some years. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but every chance I got, I was, you know, and then I was up here and, um, then my son married a mountain girl Yeah. and it kind of cemented it for me when I, you know, I had, had a couple of bad, uh, experiences my last few years as in it mm-hmm. and, um, with companies. And I just, for me, it was kind of a signal that I was 
hey, I'd already raised my kids, yeah. you know, and I didn't need to so much worry about them. And it was a kind of signal for me that I was hanging on to what was comfortable instead of diving in and taking another chance, doing another mm -hmm. challenge, yeah. you know, yeah. for most of my life I've had a saying and it ran across my screen. I found it, I had it on my refrigerator when I was working full time at the university of Utah and I was a single mother and working on two degrees at the yeah. same time and finishing my, you know, two master's degrees. And, um, I found this, I was going into the building where I worked. I worked for the, uh, as a, basically, um, a department secretary mm -hmm. for the Masters of Public Administration program at the University of Utah. And I worked there because I got, from day one, I got full benefits for my kids, right? There's a, I, I've, I've, I will be honest with you, I've taken jobs to make sure I had benefits, you know? <laughs> I could have had more money, but, you know, and that's a male-female thing in the workplace, but mm -hmm. that's another Whole other story. <laughs> and we're not going there. Um, and I was walking into my building and that the afternoon prior, I had decided I can't raise these kids on this salary. Yeah. I've got to, you know, I've got to go back to school and finish my, my degrees. And when, while I was in and in between deployments, I had done most of a bachelor's, plus I had clepped out on a lot of classes. I had gotten, oh, um, if I remember correctly, something like 70, 72 credits from the clep. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, both distribution That's, and core. Yeah. And um, something, it was either 68 or 72, I can't remember now exactly. But... And I said, and I was going to start looking at classes, classes. You had to start registering for classes that day. And I was going to do that on my lunchtime. So I walked, and right before I walked into the doors to the building, I looked down, there was a piece of paper, flat half sheet of green colored paper. Yeah. Right there by the bush. And I was like, doggone it. You know, cause I'm, you know, I'm one of those people I pick up drafts. <laughs> I'm weird. No, it's, it <laughs> and I picked it up, and on the other side of it, it literally said in bold letters, type letters, there are no barriers, only challenges. I like that. I love that. Only, that's all that was on this paper. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it was another one of those times God slapping you upside <laughs> And I was like, okay, I got it. So yeah. I kept that paper. I registered for classes on my lunch hour and I had to register for them around my work. So, and it was, so I had to take a real early morning class cause I had to be at work at nine. So I had to make sure I had one, like the seven o'clock class and then the class at lunchtime. And this is when you had to be in school. Right. Yeah. And then distance learning was just happening. And then I took, you know, few night classes and then I um, distance learning was just happening and I signed up for uh, of course I knew all the professors so they allowed me to take a few independent studies from them on like, some classes 
And so, and I lived in student housing because I had worked worked at the university. So, um, I would get the kids up at six a.m., get them their oatmeal, get them going, get them down to um, their daycare, and it, it opened real early. This was, you know, right around the college, and get them in there, and then I would get back up. And most of the time I'd go back to the village park and take the shuttle. So I wouldn't have to worry about parking, you know, finding a parking space. So I had to get back to the village and take the shuttle. So it dropped me off and I usually had to run. (laughs) 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 And then um, uh, it was health economics. I'll never forget it. Bob Huffner, who also, he was an advisor to a couple of presidents, but he was an amazing professor. Um, and he was in the MPA program. And um, and I t- it was his class. And I would just barely make it because he would shut the door. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Barely make it. And he'd always just kind of wink at me and smile, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you did it again. You know, and then I'd have to go from there and I'd go to the student union and um, I had it down pat, you know, I could take my cup off my thing, fill it up at the urns and had the exact amount of change, you know, cause I got a discount too yeah. from working at the university. So I could get a cup of coffee for under a dollar. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I, so I had a big mug, <laughs> big one. And um, anyway, then I'd work and do my thing and then do whatever, and I had to pick them up by 530. Um, you know, and it was such a, you know, I always felt I was doing them such an injustice because they had to have my schedule. Mm-hmm. But they always said, they say now, no, you know, but it was hard on them. They were babies, yeah. you know, they were preschool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, so I'd bring them home and um, I'd let them play a little bit out in the play yard why I made their dinner and, you know, got laundry going and, you know, did whatever I had to do. And then I come in, I'd feed them and we would do, um, you know, and they were there. Oh, I think they were second, first and second grade. Finally, when I was second and third, when I finally got done with all my degrees, but, yeah. and then I would do, um, you know, I'd re- do their homework or I'd read to them or whatever and get them put down. And then I'd finish dishes and laundry. And then somewhere between like 8.30 and 9 or 9.30, I'd put on another pot of coffee and I'd start my homework, you know, somewhere around 9 or 9.30. And I'd finish up somewhere around 2, if, unless it was a midterm or a final or whatever and then i would crawl in bed and by this time the kids had gotten out of their bed and crawled into my bed right so i'd just crawl in between them and then three four hours later that would ring the alarm would ring and i'd get up to start all over and i had this piece of green paper and i am so sorry now that i've done that i did this but i had to do it at the time when i was and one of my degrees is out of the medical school, University of Utah Medical School, mm-hmm. and my two masters. And 
Uh, one's out of the medical school and one's out of the school of business. It was a dual program. And um, the day I went to graduate from my two masters, I had this thing magneted to my refrigerator, hmm. you know, cause I fin and I finished my bachelor's in five quarters. So in the last quarter of my, <laughs> so funny, the last quarter of my bachelor's was one class and I was in the first quarter of my dual master's program out of the med school. And the reason is, but they let me start. And the reason I had one class is I had clepped out of all this stuff. I took it all on one day. Yeah. You know, I took a day off work, a sick day, and they started testing at 7.30 in the morning and they finished, you had to be finished by 5.15, which is good because daycare was 15 minutes away from the university. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I took every CLEP test I, they allowed. Wow. And I clept out of like, almost, like I clept out of like a, almost a whole associate. No kidding. Um, but, um, and then I had like 60 some credits in between deployments. So I didn't have that many credits to get a full bachelor's. Yeah. But it turned out I had thought I'd clept out of all my math. Turned out here I am. I'm going to this program where I'm taking biostats and theory and, uh, theory of epidemiology and you know all this and those stats and i'm having to take <laughs> college algebra 101 <laughs> <laughs> so, because i was the only i was so tired it was the last test and yeah. i clipped out of all the other math but this distribution i guess i missed it by three points or something or some something yeah um and so dr hughes charles hughes loved that man he's passed away now he says listen he said the head of the math department is one of my dearest friends he says um and so we're you're going to start your graduate programs with me because he was my chair and he says but technically you're still a bachelor student he says so he gave me a list of normally when you're doing a class like that attendance is part of the grade because it's mm -hmm. start of your college stuff he says don't worry about attendance he says these are the six dates you got to be there for quizzes here's your <laughs> your here's the date that your midterms on and this is your final that's all you have to be there he says so do that and he says you need a c do you understand me i said yes sir and he says i know you've never gotten a c before but i don't care you need a c <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. He says, no, you're not listening to me. I don't want you studying for this class because you got too much on your plate. Yeah. You need a C. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay. And I got a C. I, have, I mean, I never cracked a book. You know, I just went every Friday. I walk in and Professor Francis would go, hey, Tina, how you doing? Everyone thought I was like a TA or something. I don't know. Oh, really? And then I'd go and I'd take the quiz and I'd leave. I wouldn't even stay for class, you know. Yeah, and then I went and I took the midterm and I took the final. And then um, he came to it. It was funny because it was just when I was getting ready to quit my job because the I was it was just getting too much with the master's programs. Mm -hmm. And it was the had the end of the quarter had passed. I was start getting ready to start a new quarter. I was going to work through the break, 
And then on the second quarter, I, I had given my notice and Professor Francis came in and he came around my desk. He gave me a big hug. He says, you got to see. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> Only see I ever got. But, um, wow. Yeah. So, but, um, and when I, I had this piece of paper, there are no barriers, only challenges. Yeah, I love that. On my refrigerator, when I went to graduate from the med school, I remember I was staring at it, and I took it from underneath the magnet, and with a big smile, I crumpled it up, and I threw it in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it was like I had to have that finish. Yeah. But now yeah. I regret that. I wish yeah. I would have kept it and framed it. Oh, but yeah. I wish I would have done that. But at the same time, I I know why I did it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And um, <laughs> and then I went in and I graduated, yeah. and uh, yeah. So, but uh, and what was. The other thing about that is, you know, my mom had gotten real sick at the end of her life. Mm -hmm. And um, when I graduated with my bachelor's, I, I went through the ceremony in, you know, May or whatever. Um, and I, because I had to take that one class <laughs> <laughs> the following fall. Um and I had, and she w was real ill. And mm -hmm. um, I had made arrangements for her to sit in a wheelchair down at the bottom and everything. Um, and she couldn't come, but she says, I'll be there for your, for your graduate degrees. I'll be there. And uh, um, now the, Oh, his name just slipped my mind. The the neurosurgeon who ran for president. What? Um, uh, Dr. Carson. Okay, yeah. In Carson. Mm -hmm. He was the speaker at oh, my med school graduation. Cool. Yeah. And um, I went up and I got a, and I was talking to him. I had a picture taken with me. And he talked about his mother yeah. and how his mother had um, made him, made him and his brother go to the library every day after school and at the end of the week they had to turn in a book report to her on oh, a new book it yeah. had to be you know couldn't just be fun books and some of them had to be reference texts and this and that he yeah. didn't find out till he was graduating high school his mother couldn't read mm, really right wow. so she made him do all this extra stuff and his brother wanted to keep him out of the off the streets and out of gangs yeah, yeah. and you know, she was, and was just this amazing light to him. And that's kind of how my mother was. And um, so, uh, and, and she was so looking forward to everything. And she passed away eight weeks before I graduated. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, she didn't quite, didn't quite get to see things through fruition. But she, yeah. she's such a powerful force in my life. Yeah. That, um you know, doesn't matter what I did, it was always going to be named Ernie's. Yeah. Yeah. So it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. She's, she raised an amazing woman. You are <laughs> absolutely you. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Tina, I, I hate to say it, but well, we're, we're going on almost two hours here. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, see, we are, and, I, we? and I'm, 
I'm thinking that I was when we were getting on, and I was like, uh, I, I was assuming I was gonna have to pull some info out of you, but no. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a, I'm a jaw jacker. That's why no, I write books. No, but, oh yeah, we were gonna talk about that real quick too. Oh, okay, yeah. I, hit, um, hit on that real quick, and then we'll and then sure. we'll sign off here. But yeah, I have my first my first book was published a uh, couple of years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second book is coming out within a matter of months, actually. And um, it's a series. The first ones I'm writing is a series. And the series is called The Society Chronicles. And you can get it on Kindle or you can order the paperback. um, And the first one was called Ease Return. Second one is called Tribal Lands. And I got the third one started. And basically... um, you know, you see a lot of things uh, through your life and you see a lot of things in the service and, you you know, and if you live long enough, you realize there is true evil out there. Unfortunately, and yes. it, there's also, though, true good, mm-hmm. you know, and in the midst of the worst things that can happen, like there's some bad things going on right now. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, right within the midst of that, or right next, you just see the most amazing circumstances of goodness and kindness and mm-hmm. people allowing for choice. Yeah. You yeah. know, that allowing you to live your life. You know, and 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 doing sacrifice to make sure you get that chance mm-hmm. um, to live live a life. So I kind of came to a realization that you know what is evil? Evil really is the corruption of self power, whether that power be on a corporate level, governmental level, individual level, spiritual level, yeah. and it's the corruption of and you believe you should have the power over other people's life, dignity, choices, lifestyle. You should be able to rule over them. Mm-hmm. And what is good? Well, good really is making sure people have the freedom yeah. of choice. Almost like now, whether that choice yeah. agrees with you or not makes no yeah. difference. Right. It's right. It's making sure people are not enveloped with there's they're not stymied. They're not yeah. stymied by fear. They're not stymied by the lifestyle that's forced on them. They're not stymied yeah. by economics. They're not stymied by their choice to to grow, whether that be financially. Um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, you know, yeah, they have choice. Yeah. So I, the um, word that was coming to my mind when you're saying all that is just, it's just straight up acceptance, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So basically if you take that theory on good and evil and you apply it to people and then you kind of metaphysical it a little bit so you can have fun. I, came up with a idea that there are 
finite set of souls on either side mm-hmm. of good and evil mm-hmm. for millennia. Yeah. And you being a veteran yourself, you might kind of be like this, but I'm a little bit of a of a of a military and war history buff. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of get that way. Mm-hmm. And from the first recorded war back in Mesopotamia, about every generation and a half to two generations, there's been a world war. Yeah. For whatever we call our world at that time. Yeah. Right? So my theory was <clears throat> there's a finite set of souls on either side. And when we and they are reborn into us. So it's basically a human story. It's all the the failings and the the wonders and the disappointments and the beauty and the ugliness and the laughter and the sadness that it is to be human. Yeah. Right? It's everything. Right. right. But some of them know who they are and others don't know who they are until they come closer to the battle. Yeah. So and then when they battle, our our bodies battle here, but our alternative souls also battle at the same time on another plane. Hmm. And they battle, and the society are the ones who oversee everything. Okay. All right? So the first book, called The Society Chronicles, E's Return, is an introduction to the characters. Yeah. And their lives. And an introduction to maybe some of their past lives. And the second book is goes further into the absolute, you know, um, goes further into the absolute depth of how we're a warring species. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also we're an amazing species. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Yeah, and it goes further into that, and it goes more into the history, and and then so it's actually going to be like four to five books. Really, right on. And, and the first one, and I write under T M Betts, B E T T S. And you can, if you have Kindle Unlimited, of course, I think it's zero. It's you know, but I think it's I think the book is only for Kindle. It's only like three ninety nine or something. Yeah. It's not okay. Um, and if you want the the paperback is like seven ninety nine. I so I sell them in my cafe, and I only have one left. But um, I got to get the other one written because people are starting to ask me that I bought the book. Where's the other one? You know, yeah. yeah. So I, gotta, I mean, it's almost done. Yeah. But it's a matter of time, and when I do have time, I I sleep, which is, <laughs> you know, I need to get over that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and I'm also I got a couple others on the side that I'm writing one offs. Uh, one's a domestic terrorism book that's really pretty good. It's got really? a set of eight-year-old twins in it that are just hopping, man. They're really? great. <laughs> and then I'm writing this one. It's a dark comedy. And um, it's basically we're killing off abusive husbands. So no offense. No. Just saying. Um, uh, and it's called We Will Not Kill James This Christmas. With <laughs> Now, we don't kill him with pickles, with canning, but we do kill him. Anyway, but it's funny. It's hilarious. It's very funny. And um, I can't hardly keep, I, when I write on it, I'm just laughing the whole time I'm writing, you know. And I let my inner weirdness come out, and it's fantastic. 
Um, it's it's so uh, basically that book. I end up with a murder by mail mail order. Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> you are right. Oh my yeah. god. Anyway, so but yeah, uh, pick up. Uh, go ahead and uh, pick up the first book, and it's a quick read. It's only two hundred pages. Uh, second book's a lot longer. Okay. Um, so is the third. But I don't. Right now, I have it outlined to four books, but and I have the end written. I kind of feel like the gal who wrote Harry Potter yeah. because she wrote the end first, right. and that's kind of where what I did too. I wrote the wrote the end of the book. Hmm. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's written in a very interesting voice. And um, and the character and when the characters morph into, you know, memories or, or past lives or whatever, it's very interesting. But um, but um, I had to change the name of the main character. What well, his name was Robert. Yeah. And I, I have a brother named Robert Bob, and he was like, "You can't name him that. That's weird." <laughs> <laughs> so I had to name him Richard. <laughs> so uh, I don't have any brothers or sisters named Richard. So yeah, well, sisters wouldn't be named Richard, but maybe <laughs> you never know. It's a different time. Of, yeah, it's a different era. <laughs> well, shoot me, shoot me those links for your um, you know, when we get off here, I'll, I'll and I'll remind you too for when I put up this podcast because I'd like to put those links in there for where people can purchase and check out your books at as well. So yeah, that is right. awesome. Well. Yeah. Well, real quick before we get out of here, shout out where people can get in contact with you, um, your address of your store, and um, how we can support you. All right. Thank you. I will be happy to do that. You know what? Um, I forgot your first name. It's Tyrone. Tyrone? This whole time. <laughs> I just realized I had forgotten your first name. It's Justin. <laughs> I'm a what's, schmuck. What's in this? This is what the schmuck looks like right here. <laughs> <laughs> you were good. You were good. Tyrone. No, I, like, I almost called you Tyler just now. <laughs> just now, I almost called you Tyler. And I was like, I don't think that's right. Okay. So, so we might have a Biden moment there. Early onset dementia. Oh, no, I'm not oh, diagnosed. No. Oh, no. you have to. You have to cut that out. Yeah, we're not, not going political. <laughs> no, no politics here. Um, so, well, thank you, Tyrone. And you can find my uh, bakery, Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe, at 285 and King Valley Road. The address is 30403 King Valley Road, Unit 1-105 in Conifer, Colorado, it's actually just above Conifer proper, so it's a beautiful drive if coming from um, below uh, yeah. to uh, 285 to the mountains to our what we like to call our local side of the mountain. Yeah. And uh, if you can get a hold of us and also leave a message for any orders you may want to do, because I can bake almost every bread under the sun. I can make every pie you can think of and I do make some amazing cakes. Um, I'm not a real, I'm not a cake decorator. So you need to keep that in mind. <laughs> I can do some very de basic decorations for you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. your cake will taste over the moon. Um, so if you're looking for a fancy decorated cake, uh, probably, you know, not, yeah. not your stuff. 
But you can call 303-816-2880 and leave a message for either myself or my daughter, Lydia. She is the business side of Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe, and she's a delightful uh, human being. Um, So if you get her, lucky you. Uh, but she's, I'd love to see you. She's winking at me right now while she's staring right, at me. She's winking at you right now. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> she's so, um, so uh I can't wait to see you and your family up there. And, uh, yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, you guys are some amazing people. I thank you seriously so much for sharing your story. You're you're an amazing woman. Say thank hi to your you. daughter as well because she gets to put up with you. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. And she would say, oh, yeah. No, you're awesome, <laughs> Tina. And thank you so much. And I know when we had first talked to huge support of first responders, law enforcement, firefighters, all that. Within, yes. You were bringing them into the store. So big thank you to all that for supporting them. Um, obviously, the firefighters, especially up in the mountain communities, um, are, are angels. They so, really are. Yeah. And yeah. for everyone, the first responders, medical and health workers, any emergency worker, firefighters, um, please visit our store and, and veterans. We have a veteran and first responders and medical discount. We take it seriously. We understand yes. your sacrifice. And sometimes we understand how hard it is and you don't do it for the money. Yeah. So yeah. we try to help you out. Yeah. When I'm coming up there, I'm not getting a discount. I want to fully support you with everything. You were absolutely amazing. And seriously, I, I want to get up there for this chocolate festival thing. Um, it would be awesome. So, Tina, I'm going to have to sign off here. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. Um, you've got our full support with everything. And I know this thank town's you behind very you, much. too. Thank you, Tyrone. Yeah. This has been a blast, an absolute Just, blast. Justin's the name. <laughs> <laughs> got you. What? Yeah, it's Justin. You turn. <laughs> I thought you picked up on my sarcasm. <laughs> He's just like you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. But, Tina, you Justin's were awesome. Justin's the name. But, yes. Okay. Just Justin, not Justin the name. It's just Justin. Justin the name. No, that's what you're going to be from now on. <laughs> Seriously, I could be on the freaking phone with you all day. Thank you, Justin, the name. <laughs> well, Tina the Great, I truly appreciate everything you're doing. <laughs> oh, my God, this has been a blast. Oh, yes. So on that note, <laughs> on that note, everybody go, please, follow some support Tina, Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe out in Conifer, Colorado. Tina, you have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon. You too, my dear. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for supporting businesses listed on the VRB. You can find this business and other vetted businesses and nonprofits at veteransreferringveterans.com. The listings on the website have been personalized with product photos and direct contact information. Thank you again for your support. 